0: Welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Girls Who Run The World podcast. I'm your host, Emily. And as always, I'm so grateful for you joining me today. And please, please share with anyone you think would find value in this episode, so, today we have the pleasure of chatting with Christy Rogers, who is a seasoned sales professional who works for our Gorongosa. So, she's the one making the magic happen behind the scenes that really allows us to continue with our mission of all the amazing things we support in Gorongosa National Park. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thanks, Emily. So excited to be here this is going to be fun. We're just going to get right on into it. We don't waste any time. What are you most grateful for in your life right now?
2: So many things, but I I have to say my parents really reflecting a lot recently on just all of the opportunities and support that they've given me um, and continue to give me throughout my whole life. So I think probably not be able to see them for a year and a half. And that first part of COVID was a real reminder of how hard it is to not be able to see them because they live 3000 miles away. So just feeling really grateful for the role that they've played in, in my life and continue to play in my life.
1: Oh, making my mama heart so happy. <laughs> That's so nice. What inspires you daily? So what are the, some of the things that you really take inspiration from get you excited throughout the day?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a lot with just that every day is sort of the opportunity to build on the life I've created so far. I guess that that seems sort of broad to say, but just really happy with where I am and who I'm with. So the fact that every day is kind of this refresh and I get to spend it with uh, my fiance and my dogs and cats and friends and um, learning things at work, which I love work so much. It doesn't really feel like a job, so... Just the opportunity to keep building these little building blocks to to continue to grow myself.
1: I love that. It. That's beautiful. What advice would you give your younger self? And I always caveat if she would listen, because some of us <laughs> were not really interested. Yeah, in younger listening.
2: Christy probably wouldn't have listened. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of advice I could have told her, but I would say um, in general just to not worry about what other people think. Um, when I was younger, I was, and I, I see it crop up every now and again in my adulthood. I think it's just human nature, but I was definitely a lot more self-conscious when I was younger. And it's looking back at the moments where I stopped caring what everyone else thought that sort of made, that had the most impact on my life, like picking up and moving to Oregon, um, without a job or a plan and things like that, where, you know, it was sort of like, oh, you know, I would waste a second thinking, what are people going to think? And then just be like, well, it really doesn't matter. And that's sort of where I see the most growth happen in my life is when I stopped caring.
1: Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. And I think in general, and I'm speaking very broad strokes here, but I really think that women in general seem to suffer from this affliction more. I don't know if it's that we were typically brought up to kind of have that people pleasing nature in us. But I do think most women that I know and have talked to have definitely struggled with that in the past and a lot still do. So you listening, you might still struggle. And I love, I love to hear it that you've kind of overcome a lot of that. That's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think what you touched on there is that, you know, it's sort of been ingrained in us Then not only people pleasing, but just it's, uh, I think again, like you said, broad strokes, but it's easier for people to pass judgment on a woman's decision, maybe than a lot of men's decisions, uh, especially when it's super big moves in career or lifestyle or things like that.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm having some big changes coming up and it definitely is interesting. The different reactions, I would say, <laughs> but I think I'm kind of at a place like you are where I'm like, this is my life and I'm happy with it. <laughs> so I don't really care what you think, but it, it's just, it's fascinating to kind of see through someone else's lens what their perception and their kind of judgment is. And, you know, not everyone would pick up and move across the country or move to a different country. Like it's not, not everyone would want to do that. So then sometimes their judgment is passed on to your life.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's usually in the form of jealousy. So Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, but I think that that's just, A big takeaway is just not don't worry about what other people think. Their thoughts really, you know, don't affect anything. It's their own issue.
1: Absolutely, I love that. What's one mantra you like to live your life by?
2: The main one that to this day I, you know, I've been saying it for the past twelve years is optimism can take you anywhere.
0: And
2: I saw it with two of my very close friends when I was studying abroad. Was written on a signboard outside of the Life is Good store in Stellenbosch, South Africa. And we sort of used it as our mantra then, and I continue to use it today.
1: That's such a good one. Who or what has been your biggest teacher so far?
2: Uh, sort of touching on that same thing, that study abroad in college was hands down the, the biggest teacher I had. It was sort of Uh, I studied abroad in Stellenbosch, South Africa, at the University of Stellenbosch. And I was fortunate enough to travel around South Africa and Namibia, Botswana, very briefly into Zimbabwe when I was there. And I think between the the people I met there, both local um, and from other places around the world, and then the places I saw, um, the teachers at that university, everything just made a huge impact. And I really found my love for. Uh, wine when I was there and I was a business student and that actually led me into sort of like where the start of my career was. So yeah, that, that whole thing it got me out of my comfort zone for one of the first times in my life and allowed me to just change a lot and be more open to explore. I probably never would have left new England uh, where I grew up had it not been for like, not like never left to travel, but never moved out of new England if it hadn't been for that experience. So I'm grateful for it in a a lot of different ways.
0: Mm,
1: Sounds like an incredible experience. So let's situate the listeners who might not know you, or even for me, I don't even know a lot of this. I would love to hear a little bit about your early life. Where did you grow up? What was it like? Give us the vibe. What activities (laughs) did you like to do?
2: Yeah. I grew up in Concord, Massachusetts, so it's a little suburb outside of Boston, Mass, uh, just northwest of the city there, and it's, Ma- Concord is very well known for its history, it's like the start of the Revolutionary War, the Old North Bridge, uh, Louise Wayne Alcott, all sorts of history for America is in Concord, uh, which I did not, so I really took that for granted until I, I left in college, but it's a... I have to say kind of just a stereotypical uh, suburb town. Uh, Extremely, extremely fortunate to grow up there. It was very safe, really, really good public education, um, great sports programs. That was one of the things I loved the most. I've always loved playing sports from soccer. And then in fifth grade, I got really into lacrosse and played soccer and lacrosse a bit in high school, but really stuck more with lacrosse. They had just sort of started having a women's team that was beginning in fifth grade there. And yeah, really just, I, I wish it was like more, <laughs> more eventful, but it really is just like a quaint little new England suburb. Um, and I, I feel fortunate to have grown up in such a, a a safe place and with, with such a good education there. Um, but love sports, love competing. Always. Once I got to high school also worked, two jobs. I worked at an ice cream store, which was the best. Um, <laughs> I probably stopped eating ice cream for like four years afterwards, but, uh, <laughs> loved ice cream store. And I worked at a garden center as well in high school, which I really enjoyed. So loved working, loved, uh, sports, you know, school was there too. That was okay.
1: <laughs> there was that there was that <laughs>
2: yeah. didn't love sitting still for very long. And, and my sister and I are super close. She's two years ahead of me. Uh, We were super close growing up. And so we kind of shared the same friend group as well. And it's just Mm. to this day, a very tight knit friend group.
1: Yes. You absolutely seem like it, which is really special. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I know you're saying, oh, you know, like my early life, like not that exciting, (laughs) but I love asking this question because I can often weave together how people (laughs) got to their career. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I love asking. I find it really interesting. And for you, you kind of touched on this, but there was a couple things I think that kind of maybe led you to start in your career in sales, but I'd love for you to expand on it. But from what I'm hearing, partly learning about wine in South Africa, and then <laughs> yes. even way younger than that, you have like a competitive drive, which I think is very necessary in the realm of sales I think you need to want to compete a bit right even yeah. if it's with yourself you need to have that drive and so yeah, it's interesting always trying to
2: top a number like <laughs> yeah
1: so it's interesting that you did bring that up that you were like very into sports and really competitive and I was like ah that that makes sense
2: so yeah. I'd love to hear and-
1: kind of yeah your early career how you got started and then what drew you into sales and eventually to our
2: Yeah, I think sales, I mean, not that you can't develop it, but sort of like born with it or not. And the earliest that I could, and my parents would be the first to tell you this, the earliest that I really liked to show my sales techniques was in when I was 15. And I really wanted, we had two dogs. My dad didn't want a second dog. We had one and then we convinced him to get a second. My mom was on my team for that one. And then I told them I wanted a third. And not only did I want a third dog, I wanted a dog, my mom was allergic to dogs. So our, the two dogs we had were miniature schnauzers. They don't shed, they're hypoallergenic, uh, they're small. I wanted to adopt a mutt from the shelter that would play Frisbee and go <laughs> running with me. So after two proposals and one contract later, uh, at the age of, 50, actually at the age of 14, I got, uh, our, I convinced my parents, to let me get a third dog my mom was allergic to (laughs) which uh, well she ended up not being But that's a different story you know we got this dog that somehow I convinced them at 15 I was supposed to have a dog a third dog so my parents were like yeah you're you're bound for sales um I really used my sales skills throughout my life to sort of um try and get what I wanted from my parents and and then working you know like I said working at the ice cream store it's sort of funny that ice cream store would it was open all year long. Uh, so you can imagine new England winters are not really the hot time for ice cream, <laughs> No, but we're still in there selling ice cream and, um, and, and kind of the, the plant store would close down, but you know, even selling stuff there, you know, we ha- we would sell Christmas trees at Christmas time and trying to upsell the customers to get some garland and, and things like that. So really it it just kind of all came naturally to me in both my personal life with, you know, kind of trying to get what I wanted. And then also just going into those early jobs that I had. And then, yeah, it really was, you know, going off to college and choosing to go to South Africa as a, just a total change of pace. You know, it was like a lot of my friends were going to Europe for study abroad. My sister had done Australia. So obviously I couldn't do that. I didn't <laughs> want to be that even though we were close, like, I, I didn't want to be the same person. So South Africa. I was like safaris. This is cool. And I was studying to get my business degree at the time. Uh, and I, I did get it, but I was getting my business degree. So when I went to South Africa and I was 20, so now I could legally drink down there. We'd go wine tasting because we were in wine country and I fell in love with the complexity of wine tasting and wine itself, the growing and all that. And I was like, so I could take my business degree and just combine it with my love of wine. This is awesome. You know, the old adage that if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. So when I got back uh, to the U.S. and to my university, I finished my business degree. That's what caused me to pick up and move from New England to Oregon uh, to work in the Willamette Valley out here, which I did for the first couple of years that I was here. Um, Absolutely loved it got to, you know, pour wine and chat with people. And I managed wine clubs and sales and distributors during that time. But then it, you know, working weekends gets a little old. So I decided to move out of that into um, the non-alcohol sector. So I was working for Vitacoco. I worked for Vitacoco. I worked for Purity Organic. I worked for Keurig Dr. Pepper over the years through the beverage industry. And our distributors with, with those beverage companies, those were really big growth opportunities especially as a female I was reflecting this on this quite a bit recently because all those non-alcohol beverages are distributed through in the northwest it's distributed through um beer distributors as well so you Mm. have a very strong masculine there are very few women uh working in these beer distributor houses and and so it was sort of you know I would get ignored a lot you know if I was like it was my account. The distributor would go to my boss to ask them a questions about my account. My boss would just be like, <gasps> this is Christie's go talk to her. Like, why are you talking to me? And so it was sort of it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm competitive and I'm feisty. So <laughs> I will more than happily fight back and demand to be seen and demand to be heard and, and spoken. You know, you need to come to me. It's my account uh, type of deal. So, but it was, it was an uphill battle and and it got tiring to be honest. So I did end up through multiple reasons. But one reason I did go over to the natural food industry after that. And one, it was mostly for job advancement, but I was not sad to sort of stop dealing with the, ma- the toxic masculinity of beer houses. <laughs> and so I went over to a natural foods company, a plant-based foods company for a bit until just after COVID. And that was the, the job was eliminated. So when I came to Gorongosa, I was obviously just on the job hunt and I took, uh, I saw the job posting and I was like, you know, it almost seemed kind of too perfect. It really tied back to that time in Africa. Africa holds a very, very special place in my heart. Although I never got to Mozambique, uh, I've been to a lot of countries surrounding it and I know the just good deal or I've seen a good deal of, of how amazing the people are there, but also the extreme poverty, um, that's in those areas. So, so it was like, all right, this is so cool. One, I love coffee. I drink multiple cups of coffee. I basically drink coffee till 2 p.m. every day. Um, she really then, does. Every time yeah, I see her, coffee It's, like, it's <laughs> like a secure blanket. And then, you know, being able to be giving back and also have it be a small team. I'm not a big corporate person, as I learned from my time with some bigger companies. And, and yeah, it was just all, all really perfect. And I feel so fortunate to have gotten the role. It's kind of funny. I don't know if you knew, but when they were hiring for the sales role, they were hiring for one and they ended up hiring two of us. Uh, <laughs> and, and I love it because uh, my boss Gunner and I are just a very good, uh, we work very well together. We have very different approaches and, and it, I think it ties in together super well. So that's the very long-winded version of how I got here. And
1: <laughs> I love it. There's so much in that. And, you know, I just, I love the kind of, you've kind of noticed by now, I like the kind of synchronicities that had to come together for you to be super, you know, jazzed up by this job and want to come work for the company because I think your experiences in Africa, as you said, really kind of primed you to understand what type of impact we can have there too, right? Like you understand that when we sell our coffee, and give 100% of our profits back to the initiatives in Mozambique, that makes a huge impact.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I When I was in South Africa, we would do every Tuesday for a couple hours after classes, we would do go into the townships. So back during apartheid where they had, had a townships for blacks and townships for what they would consider coloreds. And it was just the happiest kids ever that you'd see and the school books were heartbreaking because it, the examples and questions kids had to answer had more to do with like survival than, uh, than like actual math or anything right. like that. It would be, you know, like where are you going to find food if you live on a bench? And these are like seven, eight, nine year olds. And it's just such a contrast to, you know, where I, I grew up. So it was really important to see. And And then also then we would play sports with the kids. And so we would bring them soccer balls and basketballs and like just the rubber bounce balls and things like that. And we would teach, they'd be so excited just for these like balls that we have everywhere in every school and every household. they get so excited and be so grateful. And we would teach them our games. They would teach us, you know, their games, their version of kickball, their version of T-ball, things like that. So it was really even just donating my, or, you know, using my time back then, I know how impactful it was for both me and those kids. So knowing that our profits are going back to create, you know, the girls programs after school, like I, I know what those programs do for those kids after school. I've seen it. They'd much mm-hmm. rather be there playing games than, you know, maybe going home and being by themselves. So, yeah, it was a huge, huge part of wanting to, to be part of the or- Gorongosa team.
1: Well, we're very happy to have you. Very grateful. <laughs> and you kind of touched on something I would love to hear about is you're kind of you said gunner and you have a bit of different styles, right? Yeah. And I was curious to hear from you how would you describe your selling style? Cause I've noticed my partner works in sales too, and his style is very interesting. Like I I really like his style. His style is basically like you, you think it's your idea. Like Mm -hmm. he's, he, he's really good at like finessing and (laughs) you don't even think you're being sold to like, he's just really good at that. And it's interesting. Whereas my, one of my best friends, she is the type of salesperson where she, it's not that she drives hard, but it's that she just doesn't really give you an option to say no. Cause she, she makes you almost feel like silly if you were going to say no, because she presents Mm -hmm. it in such like a strong way. So
2: compelling, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that you're like, well, it'd pretty much be like, oh, so you don't want to be a millionaire and you <laughs> like don't want anything given to you. You know right. what I mean? So I'd love to hear from you. What would you describe your selling style as?
2: Yeah, I'd probably lean more towards my goal always being kind of like uh like Mario's. You know, it. I always like to try and present it as I'm feeling, it. you know, or I'm not me, but our product is filling a niche for the, the store, like they, they want it, they need it. Their customer wants it. The customer needs it. Um, you know, they agreed to this meeting it, trying to make it sound like their idea. <laughs> I, I'm not for the hard sale. I'm, I'm fairly laid back. Not to say that I don't push, uh, I'm how do I normally put it. Like I'm a polite nagger kind of, uh, <laughs> 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 sort of if walking that fine line of pestering someone without being annoying that they want to close the door forever. So really just trying to find that balance, but then also show the the buyer, you know, I'm not just selling to you to sell to you. I'm selling to you because this actually would benefit you. Um, it's going to bring in numbers, their buyers, what they want. The bottom line is going to be numbers. They want, they don't want the product to sit there. They want it to actually move. So, you know, knowing, showing them that they have the customer for our product. And not every store does. There are stores that we won't talk to or we're not going to take the time to or we're not going to pay to put it in their stores because I know that they don't have necessarily the customer that's going to buy a $15, $16, $17 bag of coffee. Um, and that's totally fine. That's why we have very different types of stores from Whole Foods to you know, lower-end stores. But they that's sort of what I like to do. I like to, one make a connection with the buyer to show them how we're going to be a benefit to their shelves and that they have this need that their customers care. They want to buy, customers want to put their money towards something that's greater than just buying their cup of, just buying their bag of coffee. And then, you know, if we have data, I love data. Uh, Smaller companies don't tend to have all the IRI and spins data that bigger ones do, but there are other ways that we can present, you know, how we're doing in other accounts and things like that. Or we can present data on how much consumers are impacted by knowing that their purchase is for a cause versus not. Um, So really getting creative with data like that to utilize. And then just honestly, like the number one thing I really care about when I am selling is transparency and honesty. And I think a lot, it's really easy to not trust a salesperson because you assume You know, my only goal is just get it in the account. I'll I'll do anything to get it there, and it's—it's not because the second you lose the trust of the buyer, it's—it's gone. You're not going to get it back. Uh, It's much easier to say I don't know, or or just no, we can't do that, or no, we don't have this. (laughs) I'm not going to make something up. So just having that trust and open communication, and just trying to build an actual relationship and understanding with the buyer is really a goal. Just making that connection. Um, it's, it's certainly been hard, a little harder to do over Zoom than or on any virtual versus I do look forward to going back to meetings in person with buyers and people in general. But I think regardless of being in person or not, just making that, that connection, being honest, showing them the need and showing them the data is super important.
1: I love that well Christy, this has been fabulous. I have loved getting to hear all your amazing answers and get to know you a bit better and I want to acknowledge you for just the incredible work you're doing and moving the dial on what we're trying to do here at Argo and Gosa because we need sales obviously that's how we <laughs> that's how we make the money and that's how we're able to continue to. Really support these initiatives in Gorongosa National Park. So thank you. Well, thanks, Sam. Okay, rapid fire round.
2: Are you ready? I'm ready. Hold on. I got to get. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one I was scared for. All right. Nah. I'm ready. I'm Don't ready. Be
1: scared. <laughs> A book that's changed your life uh, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. I love that one. Favorite place you've traveled?
2: The Okavango Delta in Botswana.
1: I knew you're going to say somewhere in Africa. I, like, <laughs> I wonder where though. I wasn't sure where Yeah, I
2: was like, which, which spot was I going to pick?
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's a lesson you've learned
2: recently? Um, just to seize opportunities as they come and to spend as much time with friends and, and family as possible.
1: Beautiful. Last question. Name a woman who inspires you.
2: This is the easiest one. Uh, my sister, Maggie, uh, she's, uh, really, she does. I mean, she's very, I'm very close with her, but she does Super inspirational work with a company called TNTP, uh, and she's an amazing mom to my nephews and an amazing wife to her husband and sister to me. So, she's the best.
1: Aww, Maggie sounds like the whole package. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah,
2: I know, I know. You you hear me talk about her a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, she sounds amazing. Like I want to meet her.
2: Yes. someday.
1: <laughs> well, thank you again, Christy, and thank you so much to everyone listening. This has been episode 26, and again, we're so grateful for you, for joining us today. Make sure you share this episode. We love to see it on your Instagram stories. Tag us at rgorangosa. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into the girls who run the world podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. So you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to OurGorongosa.com and find us on social at Our Gorongosa.